My guest today is Samantha Blum, where she works at data.ai and leads their customer success team. During the discussion, Samantha shares her interesting start in sales, or really in the sales, sales world, which began as charitable work that turned into being a capital raiser and ultimately building a capital raising team for the charity she worked for. It was really fascinating to hear about her work as a volunteer at an orphanage in Ghana and how that ultimately set the foundation for her sales career. She touches on habits of top performers, performers, and she is also hiring. So we discuss the hiring market and what she is looking for. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right, Samantha, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I really appreciate you doing this. Well, let's just jump right into it. So you and I actually met uh, over LinkedIn. And I had noticed that you had done a post about uh, earning an Achievers Club. So we'll come back to that. But why don't you tell us a little little bit about what you're doing right now? Yeah. So I'm the Senior Manager of Customer Success overseeing North and South America for a company called Data AI. Um, We're a mobile market data provider, which allows customers to understand, benchmark, and optimize mobile and digital performance. Okay. And so as a customer success uh, manager there, you're working with the sales teams after they acquire the customer to continue to get them to onboard, renew, consume. Exactly. And expand. Okay. And expand. All right. Well, I'm curious in that role, are you, is, does the salesperson move on then to the next account or do they still stay engaged in some, some way? So the AE doesn't remain engaged at all. Um, but after close, the customer success manager and an account manager will join the account and they'll essentially take care of the customer through the entire customer lifecycle and experience of working with us. Okay. So you're still selling at that point, continuing to try to grow the revenue, the consumption and, and everything tied to their exactly. usage. Okay. Well, right. so Samantha, you also used to be an individual contributor prior to moving into customer success and, and really leading the team. Um, you have an interesting way of how you got started in sales. Can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. Um, a long time ago already, almost uh, almost coming up on my 10-year anniversary, but I uh, actually went to Africa and lived in Ghana doing volunteer work. Um, at an orphanage for a few months, which was really intended to be volunteer work, but ended up being something that propelled my entire career, um, which was a really unexpected outcome. When I came back from doing the volunteer work, I started a fundraising campaign for friends and family to help you know, fund the orphans that I had lived with for a period of time. Um, and we beat our, our target uh, twofold. I was planning on raising $20,000. I ended up raising $40,000. It had a huge impact on the children that I lived with. And from there, you know, I thought to myself, wow, I, I really loved that. And we were able to not just myself, but everyone around me have a huge impact 
on others in the world. Um, and I saw the joy that it brought other people that, you know, participated in the fundraising campaign. So I ended up working in nonprofit for a few years. I started as an individual contributor of sorts there as a fundraiser. Um, where, you know, I really learned the ins and outs of prospecting for individuals to cold call and ask for them to make a donation. Um, I put together fundraising events. You know, I, I had my own experiences of, you know, people hanging up on me and having to really work very hard to, you know, sell in a lot of ways. I eventually, you know, built out a fundraising team there um, and contributed to a $150 million fundraising campaign at my time working in nonprofit. Um, and eventually realized, you know, I love this. I could do this, though, in addition to also working in the for-profit space. At that time, you know, tech was the coolest thing that could ever be happening in New York City, in my opinion, and was where I felt like I really needed to experience working. So I moved into an individual contributor role as an account manager at a company called Meltwater, which was both um, customer success work and account management work in terms of closing contracts, having upsell targets that were pretty aggressive, um, and still very much worked in that you know cold calling and warm calling space to hit my targets and quotas and things of that nature. Yeah, so you just you just jumped right into uh, cold calling, and I mean that's asking for money is a difficult thing, and I didn't realize that you had actually gone into it for a short time as a as a job because I was going to say that if you enjoyed it. Any, if you have kids and you've been part of any school or any program, they're always looking for volunteers. And the one volunteer that they desperately want is that person that'll go out and raise money, go get donations. And it's a nonstop need. And it's probably one of the hardest jobs that you can do. But uh, if you raise your hand, they will be knocking at your door. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, honestly, I, I had so much fun with it. Um, I don't, you know, cold call anymore, but. I, I have such fond memories of that time of my life where, you know, you had to make 120 calls a day and, um, you know, have actual call numbers that you needed to hit. And I think it's really, really important for anyone that wants to work in a sales organization in the capacity of reporting to, you know, a chief revenue officer, which customer success falls into. Um, so I'm really thankful for that foundational experience. And I think it's, you know, something I'm really proud of that it was a bit of a unique way of falling into the sales organization through a nonprofit arm. You know, how unexpected is that? Totally. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'm curious in that role, or maybe you're, you're jumping to your first role after doing that, you know, when you were still making calls, the the cold calls, anything that you picked up that you you started to get really good at, or maybe a tactic or a tip that, that kind of work for you as you're trying to kind of connect with those people and, you know, establish some type of conversation? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to, and I still say this to, you know, the people on my team as being really the, the two things that I want to ensure everyone thinks about before they, you know, either make a cold call or are calling someone they already know is the baseline of, you know, human relationships is trust. And it's building trust through, in my opinion, being very curious about the person on the other line, and also ensuring that you do some type of prep work. Maybe you, you know, peruse on LinkedIn and see that you actually have something in common with the person you're about to, you know, make a phone call to. 
mentioning those things. Also, you know, pushing people to talk about themselves by human nature. People love to speak about themselves and curiosity really attracts individuals. Um, so those are kind of the two things that I would always try to keep in mind. And then I would say also, you know, creativity, keeping it fun and fresh and new. If you're sitting, you know, at your computer or at your phone, you're doing the same thing over and over again. Not only is the other person on the line going to know that you're bored, but you're going to be bored. You have to switch it up and keep it exciting and fun for yourself and for the other people, um, that, you know, you're trying to get something from. Yeah. I would say that it, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, you know, for you, it could be the 50th call you're making, but it's the first call that that person's receiving that day. But eh, it's probably the 50th call they've also received that day. Yeah. So how do you? <laughs> we get those spam phone calls on our phones yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, so how do you differentiate yourself? Well, that's fun. Well, so now in the uh, customer success role, which is still a sales role because you're carrying that customer through the journey, um, you know, getting them to add on and buy more. But I'm curious. You know, what what are some of the things that when you look at your team and the the performers that do really really well and grow their base and grow the accounts what are some of the things that they're doing that you're trying to kind of get more of the team members to to, to adopt or do yeah it's a great question um when I think of you know any of the top performers that I've worked with over the last 10 years kind of similar to what I mentioned as well it's this genuine curiosity that you can teach, in some ways, but the actual interest in understanding the other person's business or your customer's business takes a certain, you know, type of emotional intelligence and a type of genuine business interest. Um, and I think that the individuals that perform the best in working with customers, and I would say also in terms of the, you know, AEs I work with is don't ever hang up the phone if you still have another question, right? Even if it feels silly. If it's, you know, maybe I still really don't understand how this prospect or customer makes money. Asking questions that, you know, maybe is a little bit outside of your comfort zone and never hanging up the phone until you feel really confident in the information that you've gathered. And also, you know, doing the research and the extra work that if you don't necessarily feel comfortable asking a specific question, or you know you need to have some form of a baseline of understanding. Maybe it's, you know, a company is so abstract, you've never heard of it before. Um, and it's like a completely new concept you have to learn about. At least doing some work prior to getting on the phone and knowing what questions you need to ask to fill the gaps that your knowledge has is something that I see with all of my top performers, right? Putting that extra mile and extra work in to get an understanding of, all right, what, what is this company really doing? What is the end user really focused on? And what hard-hitting questions can I ask to help deepen my understanding so that when it comes to selling, you know, I can put together a story of performance indicators, or I can put together a story of how we ensure that person on the other line gets promoted or hits their revenue targets or whatever it might be. Yeah, that's that's. It's, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I had an episode, uh, and I, I don't remember the number, uh, we can put it in the show notes, but it was about asking great questions. And there's good questions, and then there's great questions. And sometimes the great questions come from the result of doing that extra research to really personalize the question to really tie it into the business, maybe that specific person's specific business unit. And it really makes a difference and raises your level of, uh, I guess, I, I don't know, call it respect or just your credibility with that customer, the, you know, the way that you've asked the question and the research that, you, that you've done. All right. Well, so Samantha, as you're working with your, uh, with your team, um, you know, when you're looking to bring on and you're growing right now, so you're hiring people, 
And, you know, you're looking at, at the talent and we're kind of in this dynamic, crazy market right now of hiring. And, and you know, we'll, we'll see what happens as the market continues to do what it does. But, you know, what are you seeing out there right now or what are you really looking for for traits, skills for the type of person that can come in as a customer success and continue to, to nurture and grow and develop that, you know, the customer base that they will have? Yeah. I mean, in terms of the candidate pool right now, I am definitely seeing a lot of really fantastic candidates. You know, it's it's definitely different from other years that I've gone through hiring cycles where now, you know, maybe previously I'd have to go through a really large number of interviews and candidates to find the person that I'm looking for that I think would be best for the role. Now I'm like, can I hire four people? <laughs> Right. There's there's just some incredible talent out there as a result of what's going on, you know, in the United States economy um, and specifically in tech. Right. So that's what I'll say, first and foremost, if anyone's listening to this and, you know, they unfortunately were a part of a layoff, just know that there are some incredible opportunities out there for you and to really differentiate yourself from others. Um, in terms of what I look for, you know, I was fortunate enough to be trained on how to hire um, when I was a director at um, Meltwater a couple of years ago. And, you know, that that really helped me with understanding a baseline of what I'm looking for in terms of people being successful customer success mm -hmm. managers. And being a customer success manager is a very demanding role, right? I always explain it. And, you know, if anyone who is who reports to me or has has reported to me is hearing this they'll they've heard this before is that you think about that game where you are playing trying to play keep it up with a balloon right and maybe you have 10 balloons that you're playing this with that to me is what customer success is you have 10 to 15 different metrics and sets of responsibilities you're trying to keep them all in the air at the same time and hit a quota at the same time while making sure your customers are happy it's a lot and for an individual to be able to handle that working with you know, in in my case at Data AI, right, our, our CSMs work with 10 to 30 customers, depending on the role. That's a lot of work. We could be talking about, you know, hundreds and sometimes thousands of users um, and making sure that you realize that each one of those users is a human being that you want to help and make sure that they're successful. So what I'm getting to is, you know, I really look for individuals when I'm interviewing that have what I like to call X factor, which kind of falls within the hunger and the, you know, I can take on a lot of responsibility and I want a lot of responsibility and I want to do it really well, which, you know, is sometimes very tricky to to test for in interviews because we're salespeople, right? We can, you know, we can right. take that, but that ties very much into, you know, humility as well. Is this someone that's going to work extremely hard, but also can they take feedback? Are they in it for themselves or are they in it for the big picture? Um, and with that as well, you know, emotional intelligence is really, really important to me. And again, something really difficult, I think, to find uh, or to really test for. And a lot of that comes to, I think, you know, a gut feel. And in my career, making a lot of mistakes, right? You know, hiring is a skill in itself. It takes a lot of cycles of hiring and making some, you know, maybe not so great hires and having to make some tough, you know, let go decisions and things of that nature to really understand, all right, you know, I thought this person had these three factors, but actually when put to the test in the role, one or two of them might have been lower than what I actually thought when we had interviewed. How can I now change my interview process to ensure that, you know, it's right for the candidate and it's right for us? 
Yeah, like anything that we do, right? You're always innovating and adjusting and tweaking and you know, paying attention to you know what you're doing, how it's working. And if it's working great, great, go do a lot more of that. But if it's not working, all right, well, we, you know, how do we adjust it so we kind of avoid that maybe that mistake or or misstep along the way? I want to break in with this quick commercial from me. I am very excited to announce that we have our first multifamily real estate deal for the year. This is a really nice boutique 88 unit complex in Tempe, Arizona, which is an incredibly strong submarket of the Phoenix area. And we are partnered with my friend Reed and his company at the RSN Group. They're the, the ones that found the deal. And they also have another asset uh, very close by this particular property. Uh, investment spots on this one, they're going to fill up quickly because it is also structured to accept 1031 exchanges. And there's a number of exchanges out there right now looking for a home. So if you're interested, just contact us through hightechfreedom.com or you could book a call using the link in the show notes. And even if you just want to learn a little bit more about the investing process, let's chat. I'm happy to share and follow up with some educational resources. Now back to the show. So Samantha, you talked about feedback and you know it just kind of reminded me of some of the most successful sales reps that I've worked with either worked on my team or just were peers uh, with me on a team, uh, they were great at taking feedback. And, you know, I think of some of them that were maybe collegiate athletes, you know, they were so ingrained and used to getting feedback because coaches give it to you day in and day out, whether or not you want to hear it. But sometimes I, I know it was hard for me in my early career where I had kind of this fear of my manager and I had to have this persona with my manager and I would never like just sort of open up and share a challenge that I was having because I thought it might expose that there was some weakness in my sales business or weakness in my territory. Uh, but the ones that can do that and have that sort of open and authentic discussion with their managers, assuming their manager is a decent human being, right. your business can accelerate so much faster because you're putting another brain on your on your problem. You're putting another set of eyes. Um, maybe you're putting you know bringing a couple more people into your business to provide feedback. It's such a good skill to proactively develop as you kind of grow your sales career. Yeah, I I would agree completely. Um, you know, I, I do tell people also when I'm interviewing, you know, feedback is extremely essential. Um, and you have to be comfortable with the discomfort of sometimes getting really tough feedback, right? I will say, you know, I agree with you. I think athletes make some of the best sales and uh, customer success and account managers because of the feedback loop. And, you know, there are a ton of collegiate athletes um, on my team right now. So I, I completely agree with you there. Oh, really? That said, uh, yeah, you know, feedback is, you know, one of those things to me that is a, it's a non-negotiable. I, you know, really attribute my personal career successes to the feedback that I was given very early on in my career of, you know, everything from, you know, having a sales manager listening to my phone calls and, you know, it, I mean this with love, picking apart a lot of the things that I said to help me improve on the next phone call to, you know, giving praise when something really wonderful happened that I worked really hard to get, right? There's that balance of positive feedback and critical feedback that, you know, I really do think is imperative for building, you know, the most successful sales professional or customer success professional, what have you. What was the hardest feedback that you had to hear, but you did take it and ran with it to improve? The hardest, there was a lot. Um, as an individual contributor, 
I, when I was early on, I think I made it obvious to my customers or to prospects of what I was trying to do. Right. I was, you know, very much trying to close a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the feedback that I got on that was, you know, you need to tone it down. You're, you're coming on really strong right now. And to me, you know, I have a big personality. I actually didn't totally know what to do with that. I was like, what? I'm just being me. How do I <laughs> tone it down? This is who I am. But, you know, I had fantastic managers who gave me that feedback and legitimately sat me down with call recordings and said, do you hear, you know, the tone that you're using? You need to soften that up a bit. Right. Um, And I think feedback around tone can be really hard to hear because, you know, at least for me, I don't put on a different voice necessarily or I didn't at the time. So it takes a lot of practice to understand what you need to do with that feedback. And then I think kind of similarly as a manager, feedback I've gotten about giving others feedback is also around, you know, you want to ensure that you're providing feedback that lands in the right way and that your intentions are heard, Mm -hmm. you know, to ensure that everyone knows you're all driving towards the same goal and want to be successful together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Um, I do remember the question I was going to ask when I spaced out a little bit, but um, we were talking about some of the successful team members, sales reps, customer success reps. You know, is there a, you know, a habit that you see them doing, or maybe even you do, but that, you know, a, kind of a daily habit, a weekly habit that's really um, fundamental to driving success day in, day out? Of course. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot. Um, I think, you know, right now what's coming to me initially is I I alluded to this a little bit and I kind of call it doing your homework and doing your prep work. But outside of that, you know, that's kind of more falls into a category of being very specific to the person you're about to call or the calls you have that day. But I think just in general reading, you know, reading books about not even necessarily business, but just staying really sharp on what's going on in the world. Um, reading newsletters every morning that you know may or may not be impacting your customers, knowing what's going on in the economy and what have you, that information is really essential to be able to have strong conversations with your customers as well as you know your internal colleagues to help educate. A really big part of being a customer success manager is that you are the voice of the customer to your company that you work for, right? Um, And staying sharp on what's going on in their industries, regardless of it's impacting them specifically, is really important in providing product feedback, marketing feedback, growth strategies with helping your sales partners that are, you know, day in and day out trying to close new business deals that will become your customers. So in short, to directly answer your question, to me, it's reading. It's really staying up to date on what's going on in the world and in the industries that you touch upon. Yeah, staying informed, staying educated. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I, I'm a I'm a big believer that if you're not learning, you're going backwards. Exactly. Yeah. So hey, I'm gonna uh, want to run an idea by you. So I'm working on my goals, my uh, 2023 goals. So we're we're recording this here towards the end of 2022, and usually I have a, I break everything down into categories. You know, family, work, real estate, finances, education, charitable stuff. So on the educational piece, I'm actually working on a new idea this year where I think one of the challenges that so many people have is there's so much information coming at us. We go broad on everything, right? So I'm thinking about an idea of taking one topic and making that sort of my my educational topic for the year. So maybe it's just just say like, I like golf. I'm not saying this is what I'd pick, but right, you know what? For the year, if I'm going to read a book, 
it's going to be golf related. You know, it could be about golf. It could be the rules. It could be studying up on turf for golf. You know, it's just going really deep into a subject or maybe I pick one every quarter. Um, yeah. I don't know if you want to read about golf for a whole year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a lot, you know, maybe fly fishing. I don't know, but uh, you know, or it could be world war two. It could be any, you know, a historical topic, but just take one topic instead of reading one book, kind of go down the rat hole of the different avenues of that topic. And just, I think, you know, it just, you know, as you get a little bit older, just being able to develop deeper understanding of a topic. Now it's got to be exciting to you, but I don't know. Just curious to, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's really interesting. I actually very much like that goal. Might want to, might want to copy you on that one, but yeah, it's, I agree with you. It's difficult, right? With our phones constantly going off with notifications and with the TV and, you know, everything that we're being hit with at all times, it is very difficult, I think, to go deep on specific topics. So yeah, I, I find that super interesting. Um, for me, you know, I feel like podcasting has been a new avenue of digesting information for me. Um, and I was an English major in college, so I always loved reading, but I think, you know, I lost, I lost it a little bit when, you know, instead of hanging out at night and reading, I was maybe spending time on my computer, you know, prospecting, looking at, you know, adoption and engagement metrics over my glass of wine instead of, you know, unwinding with a book. I'm trying to reincorporate that back into my life. Um, and I think kind of to your point right now, I'm thinking about the books I'm reading. It's like, all over the place. So maybe yeah. if I got a little bit more specific and had a quarterly goal of a certain topic I wanted to lean into. That could be pretty cool. Yeah. Well, if you pick one, let me know. I will. I definitely will. Well, hey, as we get close to wrapping it up, so Samantha, you uh, you clearly have had some success kind of quickly moving up the ranks and getting to uh, the role that you're in now. Um, you know, what what lessons might you pass along? Or maybe when you think back, some some things that you did or some things maybe you didn't do you know, that it helped or didn't help your progression to where you're at now in terms of maybe promotions or career advancement? Yeah, um, a few things. You know, I think something that I have always done and, you know, will try to continue to do is really just put my head down and focus on being present right? Focus on the the here and now. That doesn't mean, you know, plan for your target next quarter and two quarters out and set yourself up. That's that's not what I'm talking about. But I really mean, you know, enjoy the present and constantly be thinking about the feedback that you get from your peers and the people around you that are looking out for your best interests. And just focus on grinding out, you know, being really successful in what you're currently doing, because everything else will fall into place. The fortunate movement that I've had around my career has every single time come as a shock. You know, I, I've been very lucky in that sense that, you know, there have been times I've gotten promotions that I felt I wasn't ready for or didn't necessarily deserve because of my experience. And, you know, the the people around you will give you what you are ready for, whether you think it or not. And I think also, you know, we spoke about this a bit the last time we chatted is building your brand. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, anyone who works on my team or who, you know, I'm giving advice to in their careers, I always say, you know, think about how you can build a brand for the rest of your company and for your customers to know what you're all about. That's not, you know, necessarily meant have a huge ego and run around self-promoting, but think about how do you want to be perceived by the others around you and what steps do you need to take 
to ensure that you have that reputation, right? And that's something that um, I and you know my team are always talking about and thinking about is what's your goal as you know a CSM or an AE in terms of how people perceive you and what can I do as your manager to guide you to have that reputation and to ensure that your organization recognizes you in that capacity. So those are kind of the the two two pieces of advice I would leave behind. Yeah. So being intentional about yes. it, sitting down yeah. and taking some time to think about it. And, you know, Samantha, I, to your comment earlier, I could see you grinding it out, but I also, I can tell that you're probably a really good communicator. You're, you're having conversations. So as you're grinding it out, um, no doubt, I'm sure you're communicating what you're doing, the success your team's having. And, you know, that's probably has a lot to do with why you're getting tapped continuously for the, for the next opportunity. I hope so. You know, I, I try to ensure that, you know, those that are doing, you know, really spectacular work and are, you know, special individuals to our company, I guess, in this capacity are being recognized for that work. And I have no problem, you know, giving praise and showing praise where it's needed to the rest of the organization and where it's really deserved. But yes, you know, I, I would say I'm I'm always in constant communication with my team, with my peers, with my managers around, you know, how the business is doing and also how the individuals are doing to ensure that, like I said, you know, recognition is is given and received when needed. Yeah, I love it. Well, so Samantha, if somebody would like to reach out to you, what's the best way to connect up? Definitely LinkedIn. Um, I, I live on LinkedIn. That's my favorite social media network. So um, I would say feel free to reach out there. Okay. And we'll put your uh, link in the show notes. Well, Samantha, thank you for your time today. Really a uh, pleasure getting to know you. Thank you so much, Chris. You too. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.